Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he has also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585. 0585 for your free online drum lesson. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you in part by Naked Warrior Recovery. Naked Warrior Recovery is a Navy SEAL-owned CBD company owned by William Brandon, who is a Navy SEAL who is hailing out of Hawaii these days, living a life out there. He put this together. It's completely natural ingredients. It will not get you high. CBD has become a miracle drug for me. I've been giving it to my family. You can look up success story after success story of medical things that it's done for people. Uh, the problem I've seen is people don't take it consistently. They don't really give it a try. They expect it to be a miracle drug overnight. That's not how it works. If you start taking it consistently for 30, 60 days every day, whether you want to take the drops, put topicals on, uh, take a, a gummy, whatever it is, naked warrior recovery, um, you'll feel after 30, 60 days, all of a sudden those aches and pains are going away. Your stress is better. Your sleep's better. Your anxiety's better. Uh, for me, the biggest thing, again, was the inflammation. It was amazing the difference my body felt after consistently taking it for 30, 60 days, all of a sudden, I don't feel any different, but then I'll turn around one day and I go, oh, man, wait a minute, this doesn't hurt anymore. That doesn't hurt anymore. I've been sleeping good. I've been getting things done. I've been productive. So great drug, um, natural chemicals, CBD, check it out. Uh, Naked Warrior Recovery can be reached. If you go to nicknicknick.com slash links and you look under affiliates, you can see a discount code. You click on that, you order whatever you want from that site, whether it's shirt, gummies, drop, swag, anything you want on that site, you order it, you put in promo code AGAME, you get 20% off for mentioning our podcast. Check it out. Great company. Great product. You will not regret it. We have Nick Burton coming on in a second. We're going to get it going with him. He is a multifamily acquisitions master. Let's let him in. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is the acquisitions master in commercial real estate. Not only does he have a fantastic brain for business, but he has an unbelievable mustache. Give it up <laughs> for my buddy, Nick Burton, hailing out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio right now. Nick, thank yep. you for coming on. Always a pleasure, sir. Always a fun time talking to you. I love the background. Um, Yep. Give a quick uh, background, a good snapshot on uh, who you are and what you do, and then we'll start to sure. begin. That, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I've been listening for a while, and I was like, damn, am I going to get the call? When am I getting the call? And then it <laughs> finally, finally came through, so I appreciate it. But um, yeah, my name is Nick Burton. I'm 26 years old. I'm from Washington, D.C., well, Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, lived there for 20 years. Then I, I made my way out to, uh, to Ohio, went to Ohio University was an entrepreneurship major, 
dropped out of being an entrepreneurship major, which in my mind, that's how you graduate being <laughs> an entrepreneurship major. And um, the reason I dropped out is because I met my business partner now, Tim Bronx. And back then he was just kind of wholesaling a little bit, a little bit of flipping. And I was just talking to him. I We were just talking shop at, at dinner. I went on a trip with the Entrepreneurship Club. And we had some drinks flowing. I was 20, so I had a fake ID at the time, but it, it all worked out. And um, and the next day, I sent him an email. I'm like, dude, I I need I need to be where whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing. I just want to be part of it. And if you don't know Tim, he's he acts the exact same now as he did six years ago. Like, not nothing's changed. And um, so I started wholesaling and flipping houses and stuff like that. And then eventually we just got into uh, um, commercial real estate, buying and holding a multifamily for the most part. We have some storage. And um, yeah, it was, we started that a couple years ago, really in like 2017 is when we went like full blown. We're not buying singles and wholesaling anymore. We're just buying to hold it. It just got too transactional that we just said, screw it. Let's just go all in on this. And we built up a portfolio pretty pretty massive in the last um in the last couple of years and then so that's that's what i do for work but my passion as you can see behind me is i love collecting stuff i ever since i was a little kid i wanted to have the world's best man cave that was it like i just i just knew like i loved everything about man caves i loved autographs i loved toys i love bobbleheads i love arcade machines and video games and art and cars and all sorts of stuff and um and the way you build that up is the way you have the world's best is you build it up over time. You, you build it up over time. It's not you get a big chunk of change and you just go buy all the stuff you have in it. So I've been building this up for 20 years. And um, now that I have some money coming in, I can buy some bigger, better things. Like you see the three foot bobbleheads behind me. It's, I'm trying to like scour the back over there. I'm looking. I'm like, I'm like see Scarface. I see the athletes. I see the shoes. Yep. I'm slowly like picking up more stuff as you're talking. <laughs> yeah. The... Uh, the LeBron Lakers championship three footer is coming out. And I'm like, do I really need another one? I'm probably going to get it, but <laughs> I love collecting stuff. I love shoes. I love video games and bobbleheads and autographs and art. I just love all of it. And the next logical step, like I'm trying, I'm working on building a house right now specifically for my stuff. Cause I'm, I'm at max capacity <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, that that's what I love doing. I, I love real estate because it it lets me do more of this. That's awesome, man. You know, I, I'm, I'm a yeah. big believer in that. You don't have to, although not a lot of people I know that do invest are in love with real estate. It's definitely got its ups and downs. You know, to me, it's the kind sure. of thing where it, it depends on the day. You know, one day, yeah. Yeah, how's it going? Oh, great. The next day, oh, you know, you, even within the same day, depending on what yeah. hour you ask me, you know, things are great, things are bad. But, you know, the, the passion is really what pushes it. So I feel like at the end of the day, as cliche as it sounds, Every time, and I was at the very first uh, commercial empire, you hear somebody real dial down and start into like, if you really want to be successful, focus on what you really love, because that's what's going to make you push through to the, those hard days and all the nonsense to get to mm -hmm. be able to do things like that. So I love talking to people who are passionate about anything. I don't care what it is. It's, yeah. It was fun listening to you talk about the shoes and the dolls and all that stuff, because you, you could tell you're excited about it. So yeah, I definitely love that. But how do you, how does your family think about when you were like, Hey, I'm not going in this direction anymore. I'm not going to go follow this guy, Tim, and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna sure. Sure. So I'll start with this. I was never a school person. 
I was a C, D student kind of forever. And um, my parents, I think, always kind of knew that if I had an opportunity to get out of it, like a good opportunity, I was going to take it. And I never talked about it with them. But as soon as I told them, I was like, I'm leaving school. I didn't I didn't ask them. I just kind of told them I was like, I'm I'm out. And they were just like, all right, whatever. And their philosophy was, listen, you're 20, 21 years old. You have so much time you can screw up and be fine. You don't got a wife. You don't got a girlfriend. You don't got kids. Like you can screw up massively and you're really not losing much. So, so they were very on board. Now I'm also Greek. So I have my Yaya, my Papu and my Greek grandparents and they, they're not, they're, they're still not sold on it, even though I've, I've been pretty successful in this. But um, every time I go home, they go, Nicholas, when are you getting your degree? And I go, never, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So yeah, I mean, it just, school was never my thing. It was, let me focus on something and I'll crush it. And just needed to find what that was. If And I had no interest in real estate before I met Tim. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, we're going to manufacture pencils, and I thought it sounded badass, I would have been doing that. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah. you were actually the first guy that I ever came across. I, I guess technically Tim was. But I remember I was I was dealing with stuff. I think I had recently versus like 100 units between two buildings that I was in the middle of trying to do uh, some rehabs on. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a partner for one of them to come in and help me with it. And Tim just kept saying like, hey, man, send it to my acquisitions guy, Nick. Send it to my acquisitions guy, Nick. And at yep. that time, I was doing all my own stuff. And I was like, what the hell is an acquisitions guy? Like, I didn't even really <laughs> know. I was, I was like the epitome of I, I did every part myself. And then I remember I, I met you. And for people who, I mean, you lost a lot of weight. You look great. Like, I remember when I first met yeah. you and you always had the hat on. Like you said, you never used to be a hat guy. But um, yeah. you got yourself in shape. Your personalities come out a lot. I know yep. you used to kind of hide behind the table with your computer and not really talk to people too much, but uh, you really came out of your shell. And um, I remember kind of talking to you initially then, seeing where Tim's company has gone since then and seeing where, you know, just the the portfolio he's amassed and the the commercial education on commercial empire, legacy boardroom, all the stuff you're involved in. Looking back now, there's so many people. I know people that are very successful in commercial that would literally like give a limb to be able to say, hey, can I just be Tim Bratz's guy just for the people I'm going to be around and the experience I'm going to get? Yeah. Yeah. So what is it like now looking? Did you realize that he was going to be this big and that there was going to be this much of an opportunity when you guys started out? You know, I again, Tim is the exact same now as he was then. So I don't think Tim knew what he wanted to do. Um, but he was just like, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to go to the moon. I'm going to go to the moon. I'm going to go past the moon and I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. And so I knew it was going to be somewhat in real estate. Now, we, we used to do a lot of houses. We were doing a couple of hundred houses um, or about a hundred houses a year. And um, but, you know, I, I didn't really expect it to get here. Um, but I guess it's just a natural progression of things. It's like we we started wholesaling. Then we started flipping. Then we started buying and holding. And then we started buying and holding bigger. And then the logical next steps are getting into more traditional syndications when you're dealing with REITs and funds like that. And then I think the final step is probably being the money, like lending and, and that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not too sure. We're, we're not really in a big push to get out of wherever we're at right now. We're, we're kind of smooth sailing right now. But 
Yeah, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, I, I grew up, um, I was in like the semi-special ed class in like, <laughs> uh, in elementary school and stuff. And so I was in those classes, this like extra help classes after school. Like that was always me. And um, I had a lot of people that just like, they, like I've been called every, every name in the book. And um, along the lines of being stupid, right? I've, I've heard all of it. And I just know, like, there's a, there's a Will Smith quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's, if you and me get on a treadmill, there's two things that are going to happen. One, you're getting off first or I'm going to die. That's <laughs> it. Either, either I'm going to win or I'm going to die. And I, I try to think about that every single day. Like, I'm just going to go until I die. I'm going to outwork the other guy. And that that's about it. I, I would put myself toe to toe up against anybody. And I feel confident that I could win in whatever it is. Um, that that's it. I mean, I, I think I've built up this, this, uh, mindset, obviously reading has been a, a big deal for me as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't expect to be where we're at now. <laughs> That that's a simple answer. I did not expect to be here. It's really cool though. And you know, I know you were saying your your family is still always saying, Hey, what are you gonna get your degree? But most of the guys that I know that I mean, I went to college, I got a degree in criminal justice, a bunch of my friends, anybody yep. who got a degree in business is doing finance, guys who got a degree in finance or doing teaching. Like so it was mostly just about the experience in the paper, but they're not making money in yeah, whatever yeah. the field is that they went there to study, which I think is so crazy that people are so quick to go get a hundred thousand dollars in debt or more for an education at a college that they're not really going to use any of the things they learn. And now you could be sitting side by side with somebody and literally getting that, that real life education in commercial real estate. And you're using all that stuff on a daily basis. If at any point, I just literally at the last mastermind we had heard Tim say at any point, if Nick Burton wanted to just cut ties with me and go start his own stuff, he knows it all now. He can do it all. He's like, but collectively we enjoy doing it together as a team. So you have that knowledge, no matter what happens, if Tim gets hit by a bus tomorrow, Nobody can take away the experience you have analyzing those deals for years and years and years now. I feel like that that's just an irreplaceable education that will always make you money no matter what. What is your thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, absolutely. And first of all, I'm kind of a loyalist. Like if you give me a chance, I will never let you down. I will, I will never, I will never, uh, I will never screw you over. I won't leave. Like, obviously there's some things that happen, but like I'm with Tim. And there's, there's been a ton of people that have tried to hire me for their company or why don't you go do your own thing? And I'm like, how does that make you look that you think I should like, now I think differently about you that you want <laughs> me to leave who I'm loyal to. Like, what have you, are you going to do that to me later on? Like, do you expect me to do that to you? So that that's one thing. Another thing is like all my idols never graduate college. You have Kobe Bryant, Steve Jobs, uh, my dad. Um, uh, CT Fletcher, the, the bodybuilder. Uh, and I think, I think there was one more somewhere, somewhere in there, but th- those are, those are like my main four, main four guys. Um, and now David Goggins, but I think, I think he graduated. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. But on the other hand, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't go to college. So I think you should definitely go for the experience. And maybe not a full four years, but I, I I think it I think it definitely builds character and it it lets you get out on your own and kind of figure some things out. 
So I, I definitely think people should go to college, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have too much weight in whatever you're degreeing in. Yeah, no, I agree. A thousand percent. I just had this discussion this week, actually with Matt Meredith, the short sale guy. And he was asking yeah. about going to college and he started to almost give me credit. And I was like, don't literally the reason I went is because I, I went up to visit my friends at college when I was in high school and they had this massive party. And I was like, do this, like whatever you want. And they were like, I got to go to college. It was literally the only reason I did it. Um, yeah, but I agree. It was a thousand percent for the experience. And I still am thankful that I went there, even though I didn't do anything for it. Because again, the, the contacts that I've made, I still have friends that I are coming across business, guys that are doing other things that know I do real estate that now maybe want to invest in projects and things like that. So that's, that's one of the coolest things. When I first um, started getting into the real estate education space, the company that I was doing deals under as a student asked me if I wanted to come out and start helping out on the road, answering questions, just you know, telling my story a little bit. And the reason I agreed to do it initially was selfishly, I said, look, twice a month, I get to spend three straight days with all these guys that are doing this business on a level that I eventually want to be doing it on. And I get to watch them and learn from them and pick their brain. And if that means, you know, I'm, I'm breaking down the AV equipment and I'm putting tape on the floor for the first year or two, I'm good. It's worth it. But I feel like most people won't do those things, but I've always respected the way that your organization is, is anytime you guys are around, you're always having fun. Everybody gets the job done, does their job, but there seems to be a, a very uh, even playing field as far as level of respect. You know, mm-hmm. I, I never see you guys never take jabs at each other. Nobody feels like they're, they're better than anybody. Like it, it truly feels like a group and everybody stays in their lane and handles their business. But there, there's a, a mutual respect among everybody. So um, yeah, I mean, we, we are like, culture is like one of the biggest things that our company and it's like, we are a team. Like we are a full on team. There is no outsiders or anything. Um, we, we've, the, the six or there was five main people that started it back in like 2015. And there was people doing stuff beforehand. Um, I was one of those five, um, from back then. So we've been through a lot of stuff. We know, we know all about each other's families and, and friends and what everybody's done and know everybody's weaknesses and strengths and all this stuff. And we know we're all in it together. Nobody's trying to no nobody thinks they're on their own in this. And yeah, I mean, our, our office is really fun. I'm, I'm always Mr. Positivity in the office. Uh, there's, there's been some dark days, but there's been some really fun days too. And, um, I, I try to be that positivity whenever I'm in the office because, um, like I'm on the acquisition side, which, which is fun. Like I love what I do and I hate what everybody else does. (laughs) Like I don't want anything to do with property management or any of that stuff, any, any of the hard stuff. I don't want anything to do with it. You don't want to have fatty's job and work with sec regulations. No, no, I don't. (laughs) I don't want to do any of that. And everybody knows everybody likes what they're doing and is very good at what they're doing. Sure, I plug into some other things that people plug into mine, but um, but yeah, they, everybody knows their role and is very good at their role um, and likes their role. So that's important. Now you, you know the one of the th- first things I remember when I first started transitioning into apartment buildings versus residential was I looked at my two first deals and I called up the guy who was mentoring me at the time and I was like, "I have two good deals," and he's like, "Well, make what makes you think they're good deals?" Yeah. And I'll, I don't know. The numbers look good. He's like, you don't even know what a good deal is. He's like, you need to look at a hundred deals before you have any sort of reference point for really yeah. what's a good return. What's a good area. What, what's sure. all different things. And 
I see people do that a lot is, is they, they say, and this is, this will lead into a couple of different things, but they'll send me things. Hey, is this a good deal? And they have no information to really justify or have me, I can't even tell them like what it is because of what they sent. So being an acquisitions guy, I'm sure that that happens a lot too. But um, for you now being that the amount of people that Tim talks to that mm-hmm. he just goes, send it to Burton, send it to Burton, send it to Burton. Yeah. How many deals do you think you've analyzed at this point over the course of your career? Thousands and thousands and thousands of deals. I mean, even especially if you bring in like the single, I mean, I would say multifamily, I've probably looked at, I don't know, I don't know, thousands of exact number over, over 5,000. I feel like I I think, I think it's a ton. Um, And then if you bring in single family stuff, a couple more thousand probably. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of deals and bought uh 40 man something like something like that um i've been i don't know how many i've been like pretty much responsible for probably i don't know 15 of them something like that 10 to 15 probably so yeah i mean i you you gotta you gotta try to kill every deal you gotta try to kill every deal if it can if it can't be killed then it's a good deal um and I, I've done bad deals. Um, a lot of people in this business, I've forced deals before. A, a lot of people forcing deals is the worst thing you can ever possibly do in this business because one good deal can set you up forever. One bad deal can take it all away. And forcing deals is just, you're, you want to get a deal done so bad. I see so many people do it, um, especially people that are starting out that just want to get their first deal, want to get their first deal. And they force it. They oh, maybe we can get this this super premium rent. Maybe the area is better than it uh, than we think. Maybe we can get this on the refi instead of what seems more reasonable. And I, I see it all the time that people just want to force deals. And I, I'm I'm no uh, I'm not perfect either. I've definitely done it, but I've learned a lot from all those mistakes, and I've never made the mistake twice. That to me is huge. You know, I've always, I always use the term black belt and I say, I always want to surround myself with black belts, which are not necessarily people that can beat everybody up, but people that have taken more beatings than anybody and still come back mm-hmm. the next day and they can say, don't do that. Cause I already, I already took that ass whooping. You don't have to. And being that you're in that position, I think that that's a huge thing. So when you're coming through now, is it easier now that you have such a steady influx of deals? Cause I always tell people, if you're getting emotional about a specific deal, it's probably because you don't have enough deal flow. So you really want it to work because you don't see enough coming across your desk. But now at this point, I would imagine you have so many coming through that you're able to be a little more choosy and picky and sure. battles a little bit. And I, I feel like this could just be you know what I was picking up, but I feel like over the course of the years with Commercial Empire, when Tim gets up and he talks about his criteria, I feel like that's even gotten tighter because he doesn't have to be as sure. flexible because he's getting like those premium deals now because he has a reputation that he's going to close and you're getting back to people and handing all that. So um, what are you seeing as far as that goes? Yeah. I mean, our, our criteria is super strict right now. Like last year we bought, I think like 20 or 20 something deals. Like we went nuts last year. This year we bought a handful, like one, I don't know, maybe like six. I don't know. Something like that. Four, four to six. We could, we close another one on Wednesday. Nice, um, thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't need to buy any. 
we don't we don't need to buy anything. We what we're trying to get a lot more into is helping other people with their deals, whether it's a mentorship role that we can come on and, and kind of walk them through it. Cause hey, may, maybe they don't need the smoke and smoke and smoke and deals like like we get or that we try to get. Maybe they're okay with a, a single or a double. Maybe it's not a home run, but they just need to get their foot in the door and get some wins under their belt. So maybe they bring us in on on that kind of role as a mentorship role. Or if they're going um, like non-recourse out of the gate, we might sponsor non-recourse loans for people. Um, that That's the other thing. But yeah, our, our criteria is super strict. And being emotional is the worst thing you can do. That's exactly how you force deals. Uh, I'm, I've never gotten emotional about a deal, I don't think, ever. Maybe back in the single family days, but multifamily, it either works or it doesn't. We have checks and balances in in and on our team, it's like, I have to give the thumbs up. Tim has to give the thumbs up. Carlin has to give the thumbs up. Our mortgage broker has to give the thumbs up. The bank has to give the thumb. Like there's so many people that all have to say, yes, this is a good deal. And there's no emotions in it all. Like I, I'm the one dealing with it pretty much the whole way. And then it's like, guys, here's everything on a silver platter. Yes or no. And then we, then we go from there. So yeah, getting getting emotional can can totally screw you over, and it, it can also screw over a lot of relationships too. Um, and this, as you know, this this business is all relationship wise or relationship. I don't even know the word for it. Yeah, you got it. Um, it's a relationship based. Relate, relate, relational. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> sounds right. Sounds right. You know, um, I, I, looking at somebody who looks at those deals all day like that. I know you mentioned, um, you know, making mistakes and getting emotional is one thing. You, you know, a lot of guys that I know will send you deals and then they'll come back and they'll be like all excited. Hey man, I got this deal in, you know, whatever, Timbuktu. Be like I, I sent it over to Brats and Burton. And then the next day I'm like, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, man, freaking Burton, man. He just beats these deals up. And then <laughs> you know, but then they have to go back to the seller. They have to renegotiate. They have to tighten up their numbers. They have to talk to the GCs, get the bids, whatever it is, and then go back and now send it to you again. And then sometimes you beat it up again. But you know, that, constant like beating i feel like is where people get upset because everybody like you said wants it to be a deal so yep when you're looking at things now i know that you're not emotional about it but being that you're the connection now that has to keep these deals coming in that's really your supply line so it's your job as well i guess to keep them keep them in the game so they can keep bringing sure deals. i i try i try to and and i i wouldn't say i'm the best at this i'm trying to get better i think i've got better over the last couple of years is really explaining why a deal doesn't work um, I'm very short in a lot of my emails. Um, I'm very just straight to the point. And sometimes it comes off a little douchey, but <laughs> I'm not, I just have stuff to do. And I, I, I want to, um, like if you meet me in person, I'm one of the most personal people you can meet. I'm laughing, I'm smiling, I'm meeting everybody. I'm talking, laughing, whatever. Um, on the computer, I'm just like this, this, this go. And, um, that's one thing that I, that I want to get better at a little bit because it, it does kind of deter some people and a good, um, good example of this is, um, Chad Cavanaugh, one of my best buddies. He, um, he came out to our event, not this past January, last January, uh, of 2019, I think. And for 12 months, he couldn't find a deal. He had been sending me hundreds of deals. He made offers, I think on like 360 some deals. And those were just the ones he made offers on and no deals. He's sending me deals. We're contracting stuff. We're flying out. I'm shutting them down at the inspections. Like I'm just crushing his soul <laughs> on, on these deals. 
And I have to imagine how frustrated he was getting because like, it's not easy just to get beat down over and over and over and over and over again. And then in, uh, earlier this year in February, we closed, um, 369 units with him. He then bought another 50 some units by himself. We just closed another 128 units with him two weeks ago, and we're closing another 70 some units with him on Wednesday. So he went from zero to, I don't even know, 500 and some units in really 18 months. Um, but he never gave up. He just, and I, he jokes about this all the time. He's like, dude, you are brutal. Like, <laughs> You, but, but now he sees, he's like, now I'm on the other side of the coin. I understand how bad those deals were now. Like, I just wanted to get a deal done. Like looking at the deals we did buy compared to the deals we didn't buy, it totally makes sense. So if, if you never stop, or if you stop looking for deals, you'll never get one. That's kind of my, my motto. And in this business, you only need one. You really only need one larger multifamily or even a smaller multifamily to totally change your life. And so if you stop, you'll never get it. If you don't stop, you'll get one. I a thousand percent agree. I don't think it's, uh, there, there's no substitution for that. It really just is tenacity and yep. perseverance in anything you do. And that's the one thing that I really liked about multi-units was the amount of single family homes that I would need to get to have the same equivalent of cash flow or equity as one good commercial deal. Yeah, wasn't even close. And I, I love the idea of, like you said, one deal a year can literally change the average person's life. But I yep. think within our group, people go, you know, I, I see everybody when we have like messages back and forth or people hit me up for deals or I'll send them stuff and they're decent deals, but they'd be like, man, I'm not really looking for a 15, 20 unit. I want a 500 unit. It's a, I want what Tim Bratz is doing. I, you know, those are the kind of deals yeah. I want. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't done a deal yet ever. You know, and I think, like you said, some people go, well, I need to be doing what Tim's doing. And they don't realize that he gradually worked his way up there. So yep. for people starting out, if they're just getting into commercial, whether it's fresh or they're starting out from um, transitioning from residential, what would be your advice just breaking in now for like a, a decent deal size, something bite size, if you didn't have somebody walking you through the deal? Obviously, if they're going to partner with you guys and have some mentoring there, the risks go way lower. But yep. what, what's, where, where did you guys really start? What, what was the... I'll simplify. What was your business model then starting out versus what is your business model now? Sure. I mean, it was the the earliest buildings I remember buying were like eight to 13 unit buildings. Some somewhere in that range. And, and that became uh, a 20. Like my first building that I like put together was a 20 unit um, down in down in uh, Canton. And it's one of our best buildings, actually. Like and yeah. one of our earliest one was a, is still one of our best buildings. And um, yeah, but we we started small. Um, I would say you don't really need to have money to do it. Like I want to say the majority of our portfolio, at least for the first couple of years, we used all OPM, other people's money. Like you do. That's the biggest um, myth is you need to have a lot of money to get into real estate. You need a lot of money to build wealth through real estate. It's a lie. Total BS. Um, there's hard money lenders. There's private money. There's investors that if you bring them a deal, they'd be happy to throw the money at it. Um, there's so much money out there. It's ridiculous. Um, but I, I would say start trying. 
connect with people in your area or wherever you want to do deals and just constantly let them know what you're doing and what you're looking for. Um, go have, go buy them lunch, go buy them a steak dinner somewhere. Or if you can't afford a steak dinner, go to Panera for coffee, whatever. Um, Panera has free coffee right now. Okay. It is literally free. It's not the $8.99 membership. It's free coffee. If you get it through the app, go get them a free coffee. You don't have to tell them it's free, but what, whatever. Um, so there's, yeah, the, the key is just connecting with as many people in the area that are doing what you want to do. Okay. Awesome. And, yeah. uh, I mean, so starting out though, I know D areas, things like that. What are, what are things that you as an acquisition specialist want to stay away from? If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, 2020 is coming to an end. Let's start 2021 off on a good note by getting you into some real estate. Whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Sure. Yeah. I mean, no, no war zones. I mean, I've, we we used to do houses in war zones, really, really, really bad uh, areas of, of Cleveland, and then you then you go into a little bit better neighborhoods, and then you get in better neighborhoods, and then you get better. So, I would say the things that I stay away from are one: I try to only be in B B plus areas or A areas. Um, you, you can change the property, you can't change the area, and very. I would say 99 out of 100 times you can't change the area. I was looking at one deal where it was just like this massive neighborhood and we were going to buy everything. In that situation, we could change the area. But um, another thing I look for is um, I'm not too big on like HAP contracted properties and HUD contracted properties. Um, that's been one of our biggest learning lessons um, is, is buying one of those. I'm not, not, it's super management intensive. Another thing is, Budget to do as much rehab upfront as possible. If you can budget to do all of it, that's huge. Uh, because la- last thing you want to do is budget to only do seven out of 30 units. And then you buy and everybody moves out. And now you have 23 units that nobody wants to move into because they're not renovated. So budget to do everything. And then the biggest thing, our biggest learning, um, learning lesson in all of real estate is plumbing. Like get a professional plumbing inspection on any property you buy because you will lose your ass on, on plumbing. It, it'll cost, it'll cost maybe max a couple grand, depending on how big it is, um, where somebody will go in, they'll scope all the lines. Mainly it's just the lines from the building to the street, the clean outs. They'll take video. They'll tell you, Hey, this is cast iron or it's cracked or there's this or sitting water, whatever there is. But you will save so much money if you just plan for it on the front on the front end. Like we we did it down in one of our deals in Louisiana, and we got like a seventy five thousand dollars credit from the seller. 
um, to replace all of it. It was cast iron plumbing. We would have never known if we didn't get it checked. Cast iron plumbing, I think, has like a 40-year life. It was like 60 years into the into the <laughs> cast iron. So it obviously had to be replaced. Um, but yeah, you you will get crushed on, on plumbing. So that brings up uh, an interesting fact, too, because one of the things I tell everybody is deals are not found, deals are created. So mm-hmm. maybe that deal is not a deal because it comes back and you find out that there's $75,000 worth of plumbing that you need to do. But you can now take that $3,000 inspection you got on that plumbing and use that for a $100,000 credit or whatever it is. Sure. And now because of that information, like those are facts. Now you're creating a deal. Like um, similarly, the 24 unit I'm dealing with now, we got a home inspection. My buyer got a home inspection. They came back with stuff. Seller was pissed initially. Forget the whole deal. It's off. you know. And then after a few hours, it was like, all right, well, maybe it's not. Maybe we can renegotiate that. And the, and the buyers are really cool people. They were really good people. And they were like, we feel bad. I'm like, look, this is just how it goes. When you're a seller, home inspections piss you off. When you're a buyer, you love them because you yep. can go back. But now the guy has to understand that anybody he goes to sell that property to, with the exception of maybe someone who's coming in all cash, is probably going to get the same inspections and the same stuff's going to come up. And it's going to have to get fixed eventually. So yep. have to face facts at that point. So how often these days are you dealing directly with the seller that you're going back and trying to renegotiate? Or are you now dealing more with third-party guys like wholesalers and people that are bringing you deals and then they're going and doing that? Sure. So my like golden rule is I do not talk to anybody other than the seller. Like if you're a wholesaler or a broker or an agent, whatever, you can be on every phone call, on every email, you can show up to the inspections, you can do you can be there for the whole thing. But it is just going to I don't want to have to tell you to go tell Mike, to tell John, to tell Steve, to tell Erica, to tell whoever. Hey, messed up, and then it go all the way back to me. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it. I will. I will walk away from a deal if you do not let me talk to the seller. It's it's simple as that. I want this deal to get done as smoothly and efficiently as possible. The only there's no downside in it at all. There's literally none. It's only upside to just going. Hey, me to you. This is how it is. If we need to hop on a phone call, I'm not playing tag. So I would say 100% of the deals, I am dealing directly with the seller in, in some capacity. Sure, brokers are facilitating and helping, but um, like I don't, I don't go through wholesalers at all. That's got to cut out so much nonsense. I mean, I'm, it, I'm, ha- I'm happy to pay him. I'll still, I'll still pay you. You will exactly. make more money for doing less work now. You're yeah. going to be making big bucks for doing even less work, and it'll be done faster too. So. I don't, I don't deal with it anymore. It's one of my big, my big no-nos. How do you handle the objection, which um, when they're coming through, I think what they're obviously worried about is if you're going to talk to the seller, you're going to cut them out. How do I make sure that isn't getting, you know, taken away from me? And the other thing that I come across is it's a wholesaler who doesn't really have it. They're daisy chaining it from another wholesaler. So how are you dealing with those situations to put their mind at ease to give you access to the seller? Sure. So there's two things. I'll start off by saying in single family real estate and single family wholesaling, I would say, I feel like it's gotten worse over the last couple of years, but I haven't really been paying attention because I'm not really in it anymore. But back when I was doing it, you pretty much everybody had single families under contract. If they were selling it, they pretty much had it under contract. I feel like it's gotten a little bit more wild, wild west over the last few years of people just shopping deals around that they don't have under contract, whatever. Um, so. 
I, I think, but in commercial real estate, I would say 99% of wholesalers do not have deals under contract. They have nothing in writing with the seller, nothing. So I really don't owe them any. Like they, they haven't secured it at all. But what I'll do is I'll say, all right, I have no problem signing an NDA and a fair fee agreement or something like that. I will, I'm happy to pay you something fair. Um, if, if we close on this deal, um, send it over. And if they still say no, then I probably won't ever deal with them again. And two, they just screwed up with a legitimate buyer, um, for, for future deals. So it's, I just won't work with, with those people that won't cooperate. I love that. I think it, you know, path of least resistance. If, if your gut's telling you yep. something, difficult, absolutely. On to the next one. We, we've only closed, I think, one deal with a wholesaler ever in, uh. in, in, um, in multifamily. I think we've only closed one ever. And all the other ones have always fallen apart, mainly due to just misinfo, uh, misinterpreted info or just bad info somewhere in the process. So you're you're looking at deals all day long. How do you keep yourself positive? I mean, obviously you you you've been through it enough that you know somewhere in that pile is going to be a deal. Yeah. But I got to imagine that you're looking at astronomically more incomplete deals, deals that people's numbers are completely off. They're sending you stuff in really bad air. Oh, look, it's a 19 cap, but you know it's in the middle of nowhere or or things yeah. like that. So how are you keeping yourself positive and and enthusiastic? when you're probably sometimes spending days or weeks before you actually see a half decent deal. Sure. So there I'm, I'm very quick at sort my Tim always says I have a sorting mentality. I'm very, I'm very quick at sorting deals. I know what to spend more time on and I know what not to spend more time on. And then there's a lot of deals where I'm not too sure, but if it's like a class new construction, like if you look at this building and you go, Holy shit, that's nice. I'm probably not buying it. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm buying. I'm buying the value add stuff. I'm buying stuff that needs some work. Um, maybe down the road I'll be buying nicer stuff, but for the most part, I'm buying value add stuff that I can get a, get a good deal on. I'm not gonna get a really good deal on A class new construction luxury stuff, right? I'm just not. So that stuff's out right away. Out, 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 out. I won't spend any time on it. Now, if it is up here in Cleveland. I know every area up here in Cleveland from, from the wholesaling and flipping days. I know if it's a good area. I know if it's a bad area. I, I know it perfectly, pretty much. I, I can know, all right, should I spend more time on this or no? I know what stuff for price per unit up here should probably go for in that area. That's cool. Um, other than that, if it's far away, the first thing I'll do is look at the area. Um, first, is it however many units I need? Because I, I only buy pretty much 80 to 100 units or more. So if it's like a 36 unit in Oklahoma, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, if it's 52 units in Tampa, not interested. Now, if it's a smoking deal that I might be able to wholesale, eh, maybe. But I usually tell people if they want to do a deal with us, they have to use our submission form, which is, which has been huge for us. Um, it's on our website and, uh, it gives me all the basic info I need to evaluate a deal. And there, there's a couple of things in there that I don't necessarily need. I just want to make the person who's submitting it actually do a little bit of work. Because there's so many people that just forward emails, forward emails, forward emails, forward emails. Mm-hmm. And the numbers are terrible. Like all they'll do is it might say like the NOI and cap rate in the email. 
but all they'll do is change the price. They'll add a couple hundred thousand or a million dollars or a percent, but they don't change any of the financials. If you change that, then the cap rate changes, right? The cap rate changes, this changes, that changes. And um, they're just so lazy. Uh, if you want to do a deal, I need, I need you to try. So I, I force people to use the deal submission form. It's very basic. It's the basic info you would need for any deal. Um, if you don't have that info, I really can't evaluate it. So if you want to do it, submit it through there and, and we're good. I love that. And I think it's very smart to train them. It saves your time. It saves their time. It's yep. better for everybody. Um, you did and, and I tell, and I tell people to like, just recreate this form for you because you're going to need this info too yeah. to evaluate the deal. So it's simple. How do you track your deals? Cause that's been a big thing for me is, um, you know, pe- people send me deals cause again, residential, you can kind of five or 10 minutes figure things out, but I'll have people that send me commercial stuff. And I'm always like, dude, I'll get back to you within the hour. And then I look at it and it's like you said, I have to change this. So now I have to change 10 other things. Then now those numbers are different. So it, you know, when you really want to nail it down, everything interacts with everything. So it takes a little bit longer to get through. And then I forget to get back to them on stuff. So what are you doing to track your flow of deals and what you need to respond on, what you need to evaluate? I'm not the best at organizing this kind of stuff. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going to act like I am, but what I'll usually do is like, I throw out offers all the time. Me throwing out an offer is not anything crazy, right? I offer on, I would say pretty much every single deal that I see, I would say at least 98%. Even if they're at 10 million and I'm at 3 million, I'll let them know, but I don't expect it to go through. So I'm not going to really track that. deal. Um, any deal that has some legs to it. So any any deal that says like, all right, well, maybe uh, we might actually begin this done. They're they're probably going to accept it. They countered whatever. Um, I put into a into a spreadsheet. So I have like my deal submission form, and then I have a deals form where I'll actually input just basic data on the deal. And then every Monday or every single day, and then on Tuesdays we have a big meeting. So we only have one Tuesday meeting. Um, a week or one Tuesday meeting a week. We have one meeting a week on Tuesdays and uh, that's an in-person meeting. But then we have a daily huddle Monday through Friday, every day at 9 a.m. It's usually 20 to 45 minutes long where I'll run down all the, all the actual deals and I will say what I need to do or where we're at on each deal. So every single day I'm mentioning that deal. Um, And that way I know like, all right, today I need to, I'm waiting to hear back from Fatty on this, or we have our inspection scheduled for Wednesday. I'm saying it out loud to the team every single day. Um, so that that's one thing. Um, I, I just know if a deal has legs to it, I guess. And, and then I'll really spend time on it. I don't, if I'm making an offer on it, it's not, I don't, it doesn't matter to me till we get it accepted. Like they, there's a lot of people that say like, I just made offers. I made, I made eight offers today. I made $30 million with the offers, whatever. Like, all right, well, how many did you get accepted? But how many did you get accepted? How many you doing due diligence on? Like getting stuff, making offers and getting stuff under contract isn't cool. Closing is cool. <laughs> like that, that's cool. Um, I see, I see a lot of that stuff right now. Um, and it's just any, anybody can do that. Anybody can just. BS their way to offers and contracting stuff, but not not everybody can close. 
100% agree. And, and again, once you get that reputation, deals start coming to you a lot better, just like just like they do in the single family, like anything else. Yep. I mean, you get a good reputation, things yep. get easier. Um, I, I know you said reading is a big part of you. And I know um, when we did the interview for uh, the, the mastermind that we're in, one of your questions is on people's favorite books. So um, I'd love to hear about that because people are always asking, hey, what's a good book to read? What's a good re- book to read? Somebody yeah. reads a lot. What, what are your, let, let's, actually, let's actually say three, have three favorite books. Okay, I, have, I actually have one right here because I was reading it. But my favorite book is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Love it. The, the book is nonsense. If you had, if this is my one book, if you could stop what you're doing, drive to Barnes and Noble, wherever, order it, whatever, buy this book. It is nonsense. Um, it's about David Goggins. This dude grew up in a really bad household, used to get the shit beat out of him and was like just a loser for years and years and years. And then he's weighing like 300 pounds. He's fat as hell. And, um, he's just like, what am I doing? And he, he sits down one night and he sees a Navy SEAL commercial. And again, he's, I think he was like an exterminator and he was just super weighs 300 pounds. He sees this Navy SEAL commercial and he goes, I'm doing that. I am doing that. That's it. So in three months, he lost over a hundred pounds because there's a weight limit to get into the Navy SEALs or into buds or whatever it is. Um, and he lost a hundred pounds in three months, which is nonsense. Like if he goes through his, his workout thing and it's, it's nonsense. He, you're eating, he's eating essentially nothing and working out like 15 hours a day, like just nonsense. Um, and then he went, he did buds training. Um, buds is like the super hard hell week in, uh, for the Navy SEALs. And he did it three times. I think one of the time he did it with broken legs. And now he's a super, super uh, ultra marathon runner where he just, he's just a psycho mindset wise. And there, there's a quote. Um, I don't know if he said it. Um, well, the other one I'm reading is living with the seal, which is Jesse Itzler hires David Goggins to come live with him for 30 days. So I'm reading this right now and it's, it's really, really, really good. But one, one of the quotes in there is if it Goggins says, if it doesn't suck, we don't do it. And that's been something I've really been trying to um, live by lately. Um, like the phone call to the seller that I have to walk from a deal or making a really bad offer on a deal or working out, like working out, it's obviously huge. Like if the most I can run is three miles, we're running four. If I can do 200 pushups, we're doing 300 today because it's going to suck. It is going to be terrible. Um, that's something I've really been... Um, really been living by lately if it doesn't suck don't do it and third book i i partially read the one by uh gary keller yeah um that's good think and grow rich obviously um i have a whole bookshelf here actually um those two books are like by far my like the the two that i can put above everything how to win friends and influence people that's a good one i want people to pay attention to that you're a multi-family master and all your books are mindset stuff. So when people always go, I don't need that mindset shit. I just want to learn the numbers. They don't understand like what an important piece that is yeah. for every successful person. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. And um, if my friend, if my friends listen to this, they'll, they'll know I'm talking about them, but I, I brought it up to like my friends from back home. And I'm like, I, it was right after I read, oh no, uh, 12 pillars. Definitely. Number three, that book is insane. It's Tim's favorite book in the world. Check it's it super 
It's like 110 pages. It is phenomenal. Um, completely changed my life. And, uh, but after I read 12 pillars, I texted my boys from back home and my boys from back home, they're like normal jobs, right? Uh, everybody's kind of office jobs that that's just what, what they do. And I'm like, guys, I just read this incredible book. I want to send you all a copy of it. I want to send you all a copy of it. And I want you to read it. And they were all like, no, like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to read that book. Right. And like, that totally effed me up for like a, for like a couple of days. I'm like, how, how is that possible? How could like you're, somebody's offering you a free book that changed their life. It's short. It's not a long book and you, and you don't want to read it because it's a personal development. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. And um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how reading, like I was never really into reading before this year. Like I had read maybe like a book or two a year and I'm on book like, six this year, something like that. So I've really up, up the reading right now. And, uh, it's, it's definitely changed my life. I think they say like Warren Buffett, I think reads like eight hours a day or something. Man. Like it's like six to eight hours a day. He reads, that's it. And I like, if I read 20 minutes in a day, I'm like, I won today. Like, <laughs> that's, that's all you need. Just 20 minutes a day. Don't go by pages. If you're a slow reader, just go by, um, go by time. That's what I do. Nice. Yeah. I usually try and do 10 pages a day. I've been slacking a little bit since I'm in New York, but that yeah. helped me. Cause like, like you said, you, you read 10, you actually wind up doing 20, you know, whatever it is, you just do a little more, a little more, a little more. Yep. But yep. yeah, good stuff, man. So I'm going to go into the victory lap with you and, and do a couple of things here in closing. Let's First and foremost, what is the worst job you've ever had? You know, this is kind of the only job I've ever had. Nice. Lucky you. Um, you know, I used, to, I worked at a, a, a toy store when I was like 15 for like a month. I guess that was probably the worst. Um, but, uh, obviously I love toys. It just kind of sucks. Uh, but I used to all throughout high school, I couldn't get a job. I was submitting like a hundred applications, never got a job. And this is probably my, maybe one of my favorite jobs, actually. My, maybe my favorite job is I would just flip stuff on Craigslist. That's it. Yeah. The free section in DC was a great free section. It's way better than the Cleveland free section. And I used to just get furniture and toys and whatever, and just sell it on, on Craigslist right back again. So nice. I, I don't think I had a worse job. Um, I've, I've been pretty fortunate in, in the job hunt. That's awesome. Second yeah. question. How do you keep your energy so positive? You're always in a good mood. You always have good energy. How do you keep yourself hungry and, and motivated? It's just no fun to be around people who are glum and negative. It's just no fun. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy at all. Um, I always try to, I don't know. I'm always, I'm always the guy I'm, I'm hyper pretty much all the time. Uh, I like having fun. I like being happy. I want the people I'm with to be happy because then I'll have more fun. So I, I don't know. The only thing like working out is huge. I feel like, I feel like working out just sets the tone for your entire day. Um, especially if you could get a little bit in the morning. Oh, yeah. Um, like if, if you just, I, I try to like walk or run in the mornings, um, wake up at like six, go for a 30 minute run or a walk or whatever. And then you just feel like I've already won today. Let's keep the wins going. Let, let's, let's keep the momentum going and let's just what, whatever. Th this is another just kind of quote that I, I kind of live by. I think I came up with it. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but it just, it works out. Whatever it is, it works out. 
Like there, there's been times where I'm like, I'm quitting. Like I'm done. I give up. I can't get the deal. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then right when I'm about to give up, it works out. Every single time I've ever been in that situation, it's worked out. And so I, I just kind of know that it's it's fine. We'll, we'll be fine. It'll work out. Stay positive. Don't get down. And um, just be relentless. I love it. I love it. Now, this is going to be a weird one because I think you might be the youngest podcast guest I've had on this show. But if a younger you, which I guess, I don't know, like a 10-year-old, <laughs> you yeah. came on, what advice would you give a younger Nick Burton starting out knowing what you know now? I would say read more. I would say definitely start reading a little bit more. Um, I would tell him, don't get fat. Don't <laughs> get fat. That's a big one. It sucks. The, the only thing worse than losing weight is being fat. That's miserable. And don't give a shit about what everybody thinks. Like that, that's a big one. I think everybody always deals with that. I don't think every, like, sure. If somebody says they don't care about what other people think, they're lying. Do what you like to do. Like this stuff. I, I would say nine out of 10 people make fun of me for this stuff. It doesn't like this stuff doesn't mean shit. Like I, I don't give a shit about what anybody says about any of this stuff or what I like to do because it's what I like to do. It's convenient that the person who doesn't like it isn't doing it. Right. It's like tattoos. Like I have tattoos and uh, I'll somebody be like, Hey, can I see your tattoo or whatever? And they'll say, I don't like your tattoo. And I go, well, that's pretty convenient that it's not on your body. And it's <laughs> on the body of the person who does like it. Do what you want to do, because if you're doing what other people want you to do, then you're not doing what you want to do. So that's a big thing. Just do whatever the hell you want to do. Live. I, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of this, but do whatever you can while you can while you're young. Like I'm a big on experiences on like I went to the World Series, game seven of the World Series because I'm a Nationals fan. I wasn't going the Game six was on Tuesday. Game seven was on Wednesday. I was not going Tuesday at midnight, but I was just like, the flight and the tickets were so cheap. I got on a plane at seven in the morning, went, saw them win. Same with Vegas, uh, the Capitals in Vegas in 2018. I saw them win. Like once in a lifetime opportunities, I just know I'll never get back. So I feel obligated to do it. And I think I've, I think I've been pretty good at that. Yeah. I think that that's awesome. And that, that's, that's what I try and do too. When I was actually with you guys out in Cleveland, and I was there by myself walking around and I was like, oh, the all-star game. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go. And I just like went in and went and it was like weird. But afterwards, I was, I was, I was there. That man. Yeah, I think you guys yeah. were running around over there. But Zach, I, I don't I don't know how much I remember of the game, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I was definitely there. Apparently, I hit every concession stand and ate everything I possibly could. I ate my way through that whole stadium. But that was cool. Did you, did you have the uh, um, I, I think it was there then they have a hot dog. That has, I think it's bacon, mac and cheese, and Fruit Loops on it. <laughs> it's like it's like ten or eleven bucks. It's not it's not cheap, but uh, it's right behind home plate. It's it's pretty good. It's something to try. Yeah, no, I didn't, but now I have to go back just for that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I, do, I I forgot to ask you about this, but if you have time, I'd love to hear a little bit about. I know you're going and living in different places over the next year or two, yep. just just to do it. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about yeah. that. I think yeah, that's so again, that, that always, always thought about doing, you know? Yeah, again, it's it's the thing of I just know I need to do it. I got to get it done. And I have the opportunity to do it. Tim is out in Charleston. So he's kind of already out and about. He was blowing me up. He's like, dude, when are you moving to Charleston? When are you moving to Charleston? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but I'm going, so I'm from DC. And because 
COVID and everything, I haven't been able to be home at all this year. Well, I've gone home twice, but it's like in passing. It's not, I'm really going to hang out. Excuse me. Um, so I'm going and spending about a month and a half in DC. Uh, I got my own place um, for a month and I'll be hopping around between my parents and, and my buddies. But I'm going to do that for a month and a half. And then I got a buddy who lives down in Houston who uh, he has this huge house to himself right now because his parents are uh, got a job in China. And so he has like this huge mansion to himself for two years. And he's like, dude, just come down and stay here. I'm like, you know what? Sure. So I'm going to go do that for a month or two. And then wherever I want to go after that, I'll go. Um, if it's to Charleston or back to Cleveland or Italy or Hawaii Greece or Hawaii, Hawaii is on my top three, top three places to go. Italy, Italy, Greece, and Hawaii. If I want to go to Amsterdam, I have a bunch of family over in the, in the Netherlands. If I want to go do that, whatever I want to do, I just want to, I just want to do it. And real estate has been able to do that for me. Um, I can work remote. I can do whatever I want. Um, I might go. I don't know if I want to go out to LA. Um, there's LA. I want to come up to New York. Actually, um, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to spend some time in in New York City um, for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. Um, just just to do it. Last time I was there, the plane was in the Hudson River. Oh wow! Um, that was uh, Obama's inauguration weekend, his first one. But the, I, I remember seeing the plane in the river when whenever that that happened 2008 yeah yeah you get great rates there right now man <laughs> yeah dude I, i'm i'm kind of bummed i i feel like i paid i paid overpriced on my airbnb in dc because i booked it um in like january or something uh, i booked it a long time i booked it a long time ago but i've been flying around a little bit yeah everything's dirt cheap nice dirt cheap uh hotels are dirt cheap airbnbs are dirt cheap we have we have a couple of vacation rentals right now that we're trying to rent out and it's a pain in the ass to try to rent them out because nobody's going really to Disney and Universal and stuff. Um, but those are dirt cheap. It's like a six and a nine bedroom house for like $165 a night. Nice. Like it's just nonsense. So yeah, everything, everything's super cheap. Cool. Well, now talk about you, man. What markets are you in? How can people uh, help you out? How can they work with you? What, what, what can listeners here do to help you in your business? Sure. Um, I would say if you want to reach me, uh, my Instagram is legacy underscore wealth underscore Nick. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Send me a message. That's how I feel like you and me talk mo most of the time. We are in pretty much the Midwest and Southeast. I'll buy anywhere, but we're in Ohio, Illinois, Louisiana, Alabama, um, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma. I know I'm forgetting a couple probably, but Georgia. We're really big in Georgia. So yeah, we're, we're buying multifamily and some storage. Bigger the better. I would say 100 units or more for the multifamily and over $3 million stabilized value on the storage. You have anything like that? You can just bring the deal and get part of the equity. Fine, fine with me. You don't need to. You, don't, you If you can do other things, you can project manage, whatever. You get a bigger piece of the pie. But we, we do deals with everybody. And we, we also do the coaching, Commercial Empire. We have an event coming up at the end of this month. But yeah, if you're interested in coaching or doing deals, whatever, reach out to us. Happy to help with whatever. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome, man. Final question. Who you got, yep. Gaethje or Khabib? Khabib. Khabib, easy. It's not, it's not even close. 
I'm thinking about taking out a mortgage on it. <laughs> um, like, um, they, you just can't, you can't beat him. He's too good. And, and the fact that, the fact that his dad just passed away, one, like he's definitely going to be on another level because of that. You just can't, it's, I like playing into the narratives. And two, he told Gaethje he was going to take him to the deepest, o- drown him in the deepest ocean on earth. You don't lose after saying something like that. You just <laughs> don't do it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going all in, all in on Khabib. All right, fair enough. I don't disagree. I think it's going to be a great fight. I wouldn't be surprised if anything crazy happens, but that's why people watch. It's exciting to see what's going to go down. And I still think the guy that's going to take the crown is going to be none other than raging Al. Ayakinta is going to earn that rematch and take that belt from Khabib. Ooh, that'll be spicy. You know, come that'll be that'll be interesting. Strong comeback at the end. Maybe he slides in there on October twenty fourth. He winds up in Abu Dhabi selling real estate. He gets the (laughs) you know you never know it happens. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. You're always fun to talk to. Uh, any final thoughts or anything before I let you go? Nah, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it, dude. I went out of my way to try to get this sweet potato casserole. Oh. I went out of my way to get it, and they just closed it down in Cleveland. Oh. So I'm like, I'm texting my buddies back home. I'm like, guys, I need, to, I need you to order this. I need you to get it. I'll pay for it. It doesn't matter. Go get it. I need to know how it is. So I still have not had it, but I'm when I go home to D.C., I will 100% be getting it. That's funny. I just I just went to go do the walkthrough on that twenty four unit in Indiana, and right yeah. down at the Indiana they have a Ruth Chris, and I I literally just because every everything's on um like Grubhub or or DoorDash now, yep. And I was like, I'm just gonna get three orders of sweet potato casserole, <laughs> and I did, and it was amazing. You gotta get that it. Sounds, that sounds that sounds awesome. I owe you one. Next time in town, I'll make sure I bring you one. All right, man. Bet. All right, my dude, Nick Burton. Thank you for your time, man. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Man, tell everybody said hello. Yep. Take it easy, brother. All right, dude. I'll catch you.